you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Just want to remind all the dads in the, in the place this morning that this is a, a golden time of a season of life for you to gather your kids close to you and capture their heart with the vision of the Christmas story. Don't leave it to Grinch. Don't leave it to Walt Disney. Don't leave it to, to something on television. There's something far better. It's the greatest story ever told. And uh, it has to work its way in their hearts. Don't leave it to chance. Read it for yourself. Start in perhaps Luke chapter 1. Let it come alive for you. And then tell it to them. Be the shepherd and tell them what it would be like from the shepherd's perspective. Make it come alive in a way that they'll never forget it. And uh, there's a real contest for our kids' affections, our kids' hearts concerning Christmas. And uh, you can win. You can win. You have the power of it just by, just by meditating on God's word and making that come alive for them. Before we go into Luke chapter 1, a little background. Uh, Isaiah had a prophecy about you, about the Gentiles, were Gentiles, so far away from God. And uh, he prophesied in Isaiah 49, verse 23, and he talks about Jesus coming. And uh, he had this little line on the end that got into my heart a few years ago. It says, uh, for those uh, who trust me, they will not be ashamed. Another translation says that uh, those who wait upon me will not be ashamed. And uh, the complete Jewish Bible says those who wait upon me will not be sorry. You won't regret it. Uh, NIV says that those who wait upon the Lord will never be disappointed. And this whole thing of waiting, this whole thing of trusting, anticipating, it's part of the Christian life. It's, it's part of the, the handiwork of God. That There's nothing he does, no promise, no prophecy, no miracle, no transformation, nothing that God does that eliminates the need to wait. It's, it's, a, it's part of it. And we lose people in the waiting because there's a gap between the time he says it or lays out a promise. There's a gap between that and when it comes to pass. And it's true across the board. Almost everything God does requires waiting. And waiting, waiting is not just waiting with the remote in your hand, just passing the time. It's the word quava. It's a Hebrew word that means to be braided together with the Lord. You're being twisted where where your mind becomes in sync with his mind and your motives become in sync with his motives and your methods become in sync with his methods because his ways are not our ways. His, he doesn't think like us. And so in the waiting, what he's expecting is a, a change of heart. He doesn't want to be a Coke machine. He wants a relationship where... where he doesn't just give you everything you ask for, like some big Santa in the clouds. He wants to give you what he promised, but he wants to transform us. And that's, that happens in the waiting. 
And uh, those who wait upon the Lord, who trust the Lord, will never be disappointed. And so when we go into Luke chapter 1, Paul, he echoed that verse again, uh, I should say, in um, uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 33. So we know he's talking about the Gentiles. Paul reiterates it. And he says the same thing. But Luke chapter 1, as we do a kind of a, a thumbnail sketch of this, this chapter, we see God promising things. We see him putting it in the heart of uh, Zacharias that he would have a son. And then there's a year-long wait before anything happens, before he sees it come to pass. And then when that son is born and there's incredible promises about this son, it takes 30 years before John enters into ministry. That's a long time to wait to see how God's going to use your son, your, your, perhaps your only son. Same thing happens to Mary. Mary gets pregnant, first of all, with a word. Before she got pregnant with Jesus, she got pregnant with a promise. And it took a lifetime for that promise to fully come to pass. A lifetime of waiting, a, t a lifetime of being braided together with the Lord, a lifetime of, of anticipation. And, uh, but Mary was not disappointed. And Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were not disappointed. Everything God said happened and more. They sing about it. They prophesy about it. Chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, see some powerful examples. We see Jesus being born, chapter 2, right in the very, very beginning. And, um, and then eight days later, they go to circumcise uh, the child, verse 21. And that's when the child is named. And... Um, they go to dedicate him to the Lord, and it's, a, it's an old, old pattern. Whatever, whatever God gives to us, we give back to him. And so uh, I find it interesting that uh, the poorest people in the land had a prospect. You're supposed to bring a lamb. You're supposed to bring uh, uh, an offering to the Lord. And, and then kind of like as a last kind of an afterthought, the Lord said, and for the, for the poorest of the poor, they can bring pigeons and and turtle doves, and um, that's what Mary brings. That's what Mary and Joseph bring, which is a real indication of where they're at. I find that interesting that here the Lord in heaven is going to entrust uh, a couple of teenagers with, with uh, the Savior of the world, and they don't have any money. They don't even have a home. I mean, he he's... We think that we got to get all of our ducks in the road, then somehow the Lord will use us. And in this case, them they disqualified on every level, except except they were godly, except they were faithful. So they brought uh, Jesus to the temple, and there's a guy named Simeon. If you it starts in verse 25, chapter two, verse 25, and Simeon is a needle fella who serves in the temple, and he's going to dedicate this child. And he'd been told by the Holy Spirit, he said, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. What, a, what an amazing revelation. 
The Lord hadn't been speaking hardly anything for 400 years, and, and now he's, he's getting this word that, and it's very personal. You're going to see the Messiah. You're going to have a chance to see the Messiah. And so the, the, the moment came when it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit uh, that he should go into this room, and he goes in there, and there's Mary, there's Joseph, the child, and he goes in there, and uh, he takes him up in his arms, and he begins to bless him in verse 29. Lord, uh, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring re uh, revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and and the mother, Mary, marveled at the things that were spoken. And uh, Simeon also said something else that's very powerful here. He said, uh, he speaks to Mary specifically. He says, behold, this child is destined for the, the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Then he says in verse 35, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And at that moment, another woman who's been waiting, she lost her husband. They'd only been married a few years, seven years. And next thing you know, uh, she's living in widowhood. And she really becomes a real uh, handmaiden of the Lord. And she spends all her time. She's a prophetess. She spends all of her time serving in the temple. She happened to comes in at that moment as well. And it's just this amazing fulfillment. Both these people, good godly people, longing for the fulfillment of a word to the nation, but also a personal word to them. But there's waiting. There's waiting in the gap. And that's where we, we lose people because we don't either wait. We go ahead and do our own thing. We don't wait well where God braids us and changes us. It's not passing time. It's being braided together with him. Simeon had a powerful experience. Was he ever disappointed with the promise of God? No, it came to pass exactly. It came to pass in a powerful way. Anna, she served the Lord all her life. Years and years of fasting. Years and years of praying. Years of years of, of listening. And it all came together in a single moment where she could hold and see Jesus. What are you waiting for? What's he spoken to you? What's he made you pregnant with? Has he given you pregnant, given, made you pregnant with hope? Has he put something in your heart that you long for, that you long to see? Well, those who wait upon the Lord shall not be disappointed. They won't be ashamed. It'll come to pass. You have to put your faith in the Lord. Don't put your faith in your circumstances or yourself. Simeon was trusting the Lord, and he got to hold salvation. He got to hold salvation, the, salva the salvation of the world in his hands. And I got to experience it as well. I mean, the whole story just keeps going. You know, they, they flee to... They flee to Egypt, and Egypt is waiting, waiting for word that they can go back. This young couple, they had nothing. It was a good thing that the wise men came with gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now they had travel money. Now they had hotel money. 
they had money to keep them for all the years that they're waiting, waiting to be able to go back. And then word came that the king had, had set out to uh, destroy Jesus, had died, and that they were free to come back. And then, it's, it, again, it's more waiting. And it's waiting to see what this child will do, what the promises are. And there's, Jesus didn't enter into ministry until he's 30 years old. You had to be 30 years old to be a priest. So that had to all come to pass. And then it all happened very quickly. Three and a half years later, everything changes for Mary. Everything changes for us. The whole story, the whole Christmas story is waiting. I think, I think it's good for us to wait. I think it sorts out motivations. It sorts out things. Parents, it's not good. It's not good for your kids to get whatever they want. It's not good for them to get whatever they want without waiting. There's Build anticipation. Build expectation. Build desire. Cultivate that. You're not doing them any favors by giving everything they want quickly. Delayed gratification is a powerful, powerful tool. God knows that. Otherwise, if there's no waiting, we'd pray. We'd pray a lot, lot more than we do. But we'd pray, for, we'd pray for things that we don't need. And we'd pray for things that wreck our lives and complicate our lives. The delay kind of sorts some of that out. But there's always waiting. I knew a young mom... In fact, some of you have met her. Her name is Tish. And uh, we had a group going up to their discipleship school last week, uh, last weekend, working on the building up there. And Tish, Tish was just a young mom. She had three or four kids, little kids. And uh, we had meetings that were spent largely waiting. We would lay on the floor, lay on the pews, and there'd be music playing, and we'd just let God do a deep work in our lives, and then spontaneous things would burst out. People would be healed, and prophecy would happen. But it was usually after about an hour or two of just waiting before the Lord. We'll do some of that in the new year. But the kids couldn't understand that. Why would we just not do anything? I mean, we have better meetings if we're busy and they're active, and you got... All kinds of stuff happening. But just to wait before the Lord was hard on the kids. And they, they wanted to know about waiting. They said, why do we have to wait? What's this whole thing about waiting? And she turned to the Lord. She said, Lord, what do I tell them? How do I teach my kids this whole concept of waiting in a way they can get it? And instantly she said, it's like making macaroni. It's like making macaroni and cheese. And, and, and uh Making macaroni and cheese is mostly waiting. Take a pot, fill it up with water, put a little salt on it, put it on the stove, and nothing happens. For the longest time, nothing happens. And if you wait, if, you're, if, you, if you watch a boiling pot, it takes forever. It seems to take a lot longer. It's, it's easier just to go do something else, I suppose, but... She wanted them to catch it, and so she described this pot, and you're just looking in the pot, and every now and again, there might be a bubble or a little couple, little stream of bubbles, not much happening, and a couple big bubbles. More starts coming up. Next thing you know, it's rolling, 
something's happening. It looks like something happens. Then you put in the noodles, and it goes back to flatline again. Now, listen, I'm not telling you about macaroni. I'm telling you about how God works in your life and how God answers your prayers. Many of you, many of you are struggling because you're waiting. It's intentional. It's part of the handiwork of God. And they understood it. They've seen macaroni being put in the pot. And for the longest time, in fact, you'll even stir the pot to make something happen just because you're bored. Just give, it a, give those noodles a, a little stir. But nothing really happens for the longest time. Even when it starts to bubble again, it starts to become turbulent again, it really isn't, doesn't look like much is happening. But the pasta is being transformed. In the process, the pasta is becoming soft, pliable, usable. It's being transformed. You just don't see it. You should be very grateful that God doesn't just give you what you want when you want it, like a, like a vending machine. Just put in the right combination of coins and get the same thing out every time. You would hate your Christian life before long. There's something in the waiting. Those who wait upon the Lord shall not be disappointed. There's something in the waiting. And the kids could get it because they loved macaroni and cheese. They loved the outcome, but they had to catch the process. And she told me that story. And I never forgot it because it really describes so much of what's going on in my life. But we lose people in the waiting. The waiting is hard. And God doesn't make it easy it's just hard. In fact, I call it the work of waiting because it's hard work. But those who wait upon the Lord, who stand on a promise or stand on an expectation, something that he's put in their hearts, shall never be ashamed. They'll never be disappointed. Liz Catlin, you've waited upon the Lord. Are you disappointed? Has there been a transformation? And look at the outcome. We walked with Liz through one of the most difficult seasons of her entire life. Just all kinds of, one thing after another happened where she looked like she was facing a, a, a lifetime of jail and prison. But we believed God and we trusted the Lord and we saw the whole thing change. And it all got finished this week with her final court case. Those who wait upon the Lord. I can name names. I know different ones that I met when their business was starting and they were trembling at the idea of leaving their job to start a business. And now they have more work, more business, more employees, more, more of everything than they could have ever imagined. A number of you, God's made you pregnant with vision, pregnant with a concept and he trusted you with something even though you didn't have all the money, didn't have all the, the property, didn't have all the stuff. That's God. That's God. And there's something in us that says, if I had all that on the front end, then I would trust him. No, he wants you to trust him with nothing. He wants you to trust him with no visible means of support. This is a walk of faith. There's no way around it. And there's nothing, nothing more thrilling, nothing more satisfying.
There's something in the anticipation. Actually, I, I've done this so often that I've, I've come to find out that the anticipation is the best part. When I finally get the very thing that I'm praying for, it says nothing compared to the anticipation of it. I'm on the other side of it, and I say, Lord, thank you for that. I'm glad that happened. I'm grateful. But I've already tasted it. I've already lived it. I've already enjoyed it by faith for so long that when it finally comes to happen, comes to pass, it's, it says nothing. When I was a kid, we had a television commercial. And the television commercial might have been a minute long. You can probably still find it on YouTube somewhere. And it was the, the neck of a ketchup bottle. And it was a Heinz ketchup bottle. And the ketchup was slowly coming down the neck, coming out the mouth of that bottle for a minute. The camera just held on while Carly Simon sang Anticipation. And you just watch that commercial because sooner or later that delicious ketchup's going to come out the end. That was the whole commercial. Anticipation. Build anticipation. Use Christmas. Use Christmas this season to build anticipation. Amen? Get into the Christmas story. Go deep. Make it come alive. I would become one of the shepherds. I would become Simeon. Uh, I, I, would, I would get into the story so deeply. It's a, such a wonderful, wonderful thing. I wish that for you. I wish that for you and your family.